Welcome to Red Maryland Radio, the Red Maryland Network's flagship show. Here are your hosts, Brian Griffiths and Greg Klein. And we are live another brand new episode of Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network coming to you from the Jim Plunkett Studio in the heart of the snowy business district of Severna Park, Maryland. Nowhere near the banks of the historic but frozen Magadie River. You are listening to Maryland's leading political talk show, Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. I am your host, Brian Rivers, with me in the studio, Greg Klein. Good to be here. we got a lot going on here tonight. We'll talk about what's going on in Annapolis. We've got uh, well, we've got poll results. We do. Uh, we've got County Councilman Nathan Volk. He's going to be coming on with us in a few minutes. We've got a lot of stuff going on tonight. We'll take in your calls, 760-259-2711. Before we get started, I do want to remind you that this week's episode of Red Maryland Radio is sponsored by Brad Roars, our friend Brad Roars, over at Howard Bank, the bank of red maryland greg does his all his banking there i believe that is and we do our red maryland banking there as well he is helping you out with home purchases refinance conventional loans rehab loans va fha you name it he's doing it and brad roars a conservative who wants to help conservatives save a couple dollars absolutely and that's important bradthebanker.com is how you can reach out to him his phone number 443-876-2846 what's that number 443 Eight seven six two eight four six or bradthebanker.com. Brad Roars, helping conservatives save money. This is all shows also brought to you by the Montgomery County Republican Central Committee. They are bringing you their uh, 2019 county convention on Saturday, February 23rd at the Hilton in Gaithersburg. Um, they're going to have... Um, Larry O'Connor from WMAL Radio, a message from Governor Hogan, Delegate Neil Parrott's going to be there talking about redistricting, all that and more. Go to GOPmontgomery.com slash, I'm sorry, MCGOP.com, excuse me, slash convention2019 for more information about that. And that's coming to you authority of the Montgomery County Republican Party Central Committee. Don Irvine, treasurer, on the hotline joining us right now um, is County Councilman Nathan Volke from Anne Arundel County, my county councilman. Yeah. Nathan, how are you doing tonight? I'm well, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on the show. Greg, Brian, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, get to join you guys. Yeah, we're definitely glad to have you and talk about a big issue that's going on here in Anne Arundel County. Um, after the election, our newly elected Democratic County Executive Stuart Pittman announced that he was going to end Anne Arundel County's participation in the 287G program, uh, which, of course, detains illegal aliens for uh, to, to people who are here illegally after they have already had interactions with with law enforcement and uh, and turns them over to immigration and customs enforcement. Now, Councilman, you have been leading the effort uh, against that. Uh, so just kind of talk a little bit about your perspective and kind of where we are in this process. Sure, absolutely. Well, like you said, I, I, I'm not alone in this effort, but uh, I, I have my names on the on the two resolutions that are pending in front of the council and will be heard next Tuesday when the council meets again. Um, you know, just briefly, the two resolutions, the first resolution 119 uh, calls for the county executive to reinstate the 287G program. The second resolution 219 would have called for the county council to reject any request by the executive in the budget to pay for legal representation for individuals who are currently being detained by ICE at the Ordnance Road Detention Center. Uh, but in some ways, that's almost, uh, well, we can get into all of what happened, but the recent decision with ICE to say that they no longer are interested in honoring that agreement, uh, that changes that a little bit. But one thing I did want to 
jump back to real quick is the history. So you had mentioned that when the county executive took over, he indicated that he was going to get rid of this program. Um, what he had said in, in his inaugural speech at Maryland Hall on December the 3rd, 2018, he said, we're going to do a report on the 287G program, and then we're going to kiss it goodbye. That was the plan. What happened is that before the report could be done, as of, I understand it, December the 4th, 2018, the superintendent of the detention facilities on his own said, we're going to go ahead and stop this program. And at that point, ICE was notified. ICE came. ICE retrieved their equipment because they had some specialized computer equipment that they have there in the facility. They took that with them. And as of December the 4th, there was no more screening under the 287G program in Anne Arundel County. Um, and that was my initial big concern. When we learned about that. The Capitol actually uncovered that. And um, when we first heard that this decision had been made by a department head, not by the administration, it was very, very concerning. That then led into sort of this, this period where we're going, okay, what's happening? What's going on? And then we ultimately learned around the 27th of December when the county executive held a press conference. That was when they officially issued their report on their perception of what had happened with the 287G program, whether it had been a success or not. In their opinion, they did not find it that they thought it was a success. Um, I, I take issue with that, and I think that's actually an incorrect you know, they've come to the wrong conclusion on that. Um, but it was at that point that they officially sent a letter to ICE and said, we are going to go ahead and terminate that 287G program. So I have some concerns just about the process and the timeline with how everything happened and the fact that we had a, a department head, if you will, because um, that's what the superintendent is. I mean, it's a cabinet-level position, basically. And that individual making a decision for the administration and then the administration basically acquiesced and, and sort of went with it and said, well, that was what we were going to do all along. So, you know, we're going to go ahead and issue our report now and, and go forward. My interpretation of what the county executive had been uh, or had said was that the report would be done. We'd look at the facts, we'd look at the results, and then we'd go ahead and make a decision. And it seems to me like that wasn't maybe the correct read of the situation. So I, I think that's important just to give people sort of a history of what happened with this program, then getting into the program itself. And, and I can absolutely speak some more to that. Well, there's a, a lot to a lot to cover ground to cover there. Was the superintendent who made this decision, was he somebody who was appointed by Pittman or was he a holdover from the Shoe administration? No, he's uh, he's actually been there or he had been there for uh, quite a few years. He was um, the detention superintendent under the Shoe administration okay. and he retired on I think it was about December 31st. It was the end of the year. Okay. Uh, so he's no longer in that position. We now have a new acting uh, detention super, superintendent. One let me ask you councilman on the on the background of this cuz one of the things that the the county executive has been saying is that this program was controversial. Now, outside of, you know, maybe some of his very left-wing supporters, this program has been in place for a number of years. I don't recall there being a lot of controversy, and I think if you look at the reaction that a lot of citizens have had to this change, it's pretty clear that people are more unhappy with the change than they are with the fact that this was going on. Is 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 that what you heard during the campaign? Is that the sense that, that, that you had that this program wasn't as controversial as the county executive keeps making it sound like? Well, yeah, here's what I'll tell you about the program, because I think this is really important background for everybody to understand. This program, 287G, 
came about as a 1996 amendment to the Immigration Naturalization Act. It was passed by a Republican Congress and signed by a Democratic president in 1996. That was the origin of the 287G program. So if we want to talk about controversy with the program, it was bipartisan when it started. When it started in 1996, there were two components to it. There was a law enforcement component, and then there was a detention component. And Anne Arundel County, so I'll talk about when we got into the program, but we've only ever done the detention component. There was a bit of controversy with the law enforcement model. So I'm sure people are familiar with what had happened in Maricopa County um, with the sheriff down there. And that was some of the problems, if you will, that, that people particularly on the left, were arguing the program had in terms of the way it was being used. And so when the Obama administration came in in 2009, the Obama administration renegotiated all of the memorandums of agreements that they had with local governments under this 287G authority, and they went ahead and said, we're only going to execute agreements that allow for the detention model. We're not going to do the law enforcement anymore. So at this point, in the entire United States, of all the counties that do this, and it's about 78, somewhere around there, um, out of 3,000. So it's not by any stretch a majority of the counties that do it, but of the ones that do it, they are all doing the detention model. There's no one doing law enforcement that I'm aware of. And in Maryland, there are currently two counties. There's about to be a third, um, and there would have been four if Anne Arundel had stayed in doing the 287G program. Frederick is, uh, I believe, the longest that's been doing the 287G program. And then Harford County does it, Cecil County is in the process, I understand, of, of getting into the program, and Anne Arundel was in the program but is now not in the program. Um, so that's kind of the history and, and, you know, the controversy. Anne Arundel County didn't join this program until December 2017. So it was only a year that we were actually ever in this program. And I, I know that there was some controversy, if you will, uh, when the county executive entered into the agreement because it clearly became a campaign issue. It was something that the county executive, uh, he campaigned on during the campaign. He said, you know, I'm going to end this program. So he did say that, uh, and, and that was something that was out there during the campaign season. But in terms of the controversy, I think that this was a program that has been controversial at points. I don't confess by any stretch to be an expert in the immigration field, um, but I don't recall hearing a lot about this program, at least in our local area, until probably last year or two, uh, once Anne Arundel started to get into the program. Well, let's talk about the, the payments. I know that um, you had mentioned that you you're, one of the resolutions that you introduced was to end payments, um, to, to stop the county executive from programming money in the budget to pay for the legal defense of, um, you know, of these illegal immigrants. And um, this is something that Greg and I talked about a couple of weeks ago. That there's never a situation where a county citizen would have their legal defense paid for by the county, whether it came from county funds or whether it came from money that came from ICE. Now, you had mentioned, of course, that ICE had, uh, had ended the payments or is ending the program as of today, which means the payments are going to stop. My question to you is, Is did the county council have any knowledge prior to, to the county executive's announcement that he was going to reprogram this money to use it to pay for legal defense uh, of illegal immigrants? And if he did, did he actually have a lawyer check that out, that that was an appropriate use of this federal grant money? Uh, very good questions. I, I can answer the first to say that at least... 
for myself and the others on the council that I've talked to, uh, I, I don't know that anyone had any idea that this was going to be included in the report. I can tell you when I got the report and I saw at the very end of the county executive's report on 287G that the plan was to potentially use some of this money from the separate intergovernmental um, service agreement, which is the housing agreement for these detainees, they were going to use some of that money to potentially assist with legal fees. That was the first I'd seen it, and I was pretty shocked to see it. Um, in terms of the legality of it, I don't know if this was run past any sort of legal counsel. You know, the concern that I had, and I've said this uh, in, in a few places, is if you read the intergovernmental service agreement, the IGSA, which is what the county executed with ICE, and that's the sort of the contractual basis on which we're holding these individuals and how we get paid, et cetera. It talks about things that we're allowed to build the federal government for. It also talks about things that we're expressly not allowed to build the federal government for. And one of those things is legal representation for detainees. And what the county executive was proposing was what I've suggested is sort of an end run or, or a shell game, if you will, because the county executive was proposing that we would take this money, we would receive it from ICE, we would not bill them for the legal services, but then we would put it into the county coffers, and then we would turn around and on a separate line item, we would you know, go ahead and, and pay that out of the county coffers. So to me, if you're not violating the letter of the agreement, at a minimum, you're violating the spirit of it. Right. And it, unfortunately, it looks like that's what ICE may have felt about this too. Uh, I, I don't know what their rationale was for ending the agreement, but you know, it certainly seems like that could have been something that was a problem for them um, because, you know, again, you, you don't want to do business with, with someone who you feel like is not necessarily honoring the letter and the spirit of the agreement. Um, so I think that that, while I can't speak to the reason why it is that ICE chose to terminate this agreement, um, I, I certainly think that the concerns I had, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they were shared by other folks. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like, I mean, not to interrupt you, Greg, but it just definitely seems like that's, like you said, if it's not violating the letter of the law, it's certainly violating the spirit of the contractual agreement and is certainly not what I signed up for when they you know, entered into this agreement with Anne Arundel County for 287G. Go ahead, Greg. Well, let me ask you, Councilman, you've given us a great background and, and brought us up to speed on, on how we got here. Uh, I know that you and your fellow council members, particularly the Republicans in the council, have been looking into this and examining this, and there have been briefings and meetings. Tell us about those, and tell us about you know the additional information you're finding now that there's been a light put on this and uh, the discussion sure. going forward. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, some of the, the key justifications that I keep hearing from the administration for the reasons to end the 287G program, there has been the argument that it's a redundant program, that basically uh, our participation in two other federal programs, one called the Criminal Alien Program, which is generally just called the CAP program, um, and the other is the Secure Communities Program. The, the administration has argued between those two programs, we're getting everybody we would have gotten under 287G, so this is a this is a redundant program. Another argument has been that the cost and resource allocation of our detention officers has been straining the detention facilities and has really been making it much, much harder for the detention facilities to do their job. And the last justification that I'm hearing a lot is that there's this chilling effect uh, that's causing an erosion of trust between the community and the police, between the law enforcement uh, in, in the community and, and the communities, particularly the immigrant community. And I, I can tell you, now that I have dug into this, and when I say I've dug in, I have toured 
the Harford County program. I've gone up there. I've been to their detention center. I've talked with their 287G officers. I've talked with the field office in Baltimore for ICE to try to understand how these programs work. Uh, just today, I had an opportunity to go to the Jennifer Road Detention Center here in Anne Arundel County and speak with two of the 12 detention immigration officers that we have in the county that, that were trained under this program when we were participating in it. And I can tell you, in my mind, based on everything that I've heard, every one of those things is incorrect. Um, the redundancy issue, so this gets a bit into what I'll call sort of arcane policy points, but the criminal alien program is basically a self-report program. Every single person who comes into the detention center in Anne Arundel County is given an intake form. And one of the questions on there is the place of birth. And if an individual indicates that they are foreign born, they were born outside the United States, then in that case, uh, there is a, a form that can be filled out and sent to the Baltimore field office for ICE under the criminal alien program where that person is identified for ICE. And there's also the Secure Communities program, which is a biometric program. That's a fingerprinting program. And with Secure Communities, there's cooperation between the FBI and DHS, Department of Homeland Security. So when you have an individual who comes in and is fingerprinted, their fingerprints are normally, just by virtue of being arrested, they're going to be run through the FBI databases. Well, Secure Communities then takes the next step, sends it to Homeland Security, who runs those fingerprints through a series of other databases. Um, the concerns that I've always had with this program is, what if somebody's not in the database? And that's very possible for an individual who's entered this country without legal status. If you have come into the country not as a visa holder who's now overstayed and you've lost your legal status, or not as a, someone on a green card, but then you, you haven't gone to the next steps or something, um, you basically could be in this country completely undetected. So that's a class of people who automatically are just not going to be flagged by the biometric screen. But then the next piece of it is, okay, well, even if we can't catch those folks through secure communities, we can't identify who those people are. Well, we should be able to identify them through the CAP program. Well, the way the CAP program works, and this is what I was learning today in the Anne Arundel Detention Center particularly, is that an individual comes in and say they identify as, being a, a U.S. citizen, or, or um, they actually they wouldn't say a citizen, excuse me, because we're not asking that question, but they would say maybe I was born in Maryland or I was born in, in some other place in the U.S. Well, at that point, there's going to be no reason to send their information on the ICE and flag them. So if that person has inaccurately reported their place of birth and they have never had an interaction with ICE, you're not going to be able to flag them. There, there's going to be no detection that this person may be someone that we want to ask some more questions of and find out what's their status. With the 287G program, we would have had that opportunity. So one of the things that I was able to talk to the DIOs, the detention immigration officers about is, what happens if someone comes in and for instance, uh, they report that maybe they were born in Maryland, but then in the process of taking them into the detention center, going through belongings, things like that, you find that they've got um, credentials on them I, it could be a foreign-issued driver's license, could be documentation, paperwork, could be some sort of legal uh, passport, something like that, that suggests that they may be a citizen of another country. Well, at that point, 287G allows those officers to start taking the next step and asking some additional questions to try to find out what is this person's legal status. And sometimes they did find, I mean, the, the numbers speak for themselves, they did find that people were actually lawfully here. So of the 169 people that were interviewed under the 287G program in Anne Arundel County, 
over the year that it was in, in effect, all but 69 of them were found to be here with lawful status. So that tells you that the majority of them uh, had lawful status. There were 69 who did not have legal, lawful status. And, and those individuals then, you know, as the report from the county executive noted, 37 of them had been charged with violent crimes. That's about 54%. Um, so that's a pretty substantial number. Those are individuals that our DIOs in the jails under the 287G program identified and then was able to go ahead and work the detainer process up and provide that to ICE and, and assist with that. So those people that may not accurately report their place of birth and have never had an interaction with ICE or any other agency, they're going to fall through the cracks. Absolutely. There, there's no way that we're going to be able to detect them. And there are a number of other situations that we talked about with the DIOs today that are, are very real situations where people will not be detected. And, you know, to me, I think that this is an important piece of what we can do to keep our community safer. So I think it is important that we identify who these individuals are. Ultimately, it's up to ICE whether they decide that it's worthwhile to remove this person or to institute removal proceedings or not. But the detection piece of it, I think, is an important thing that Anne Arundel County could be doing and does keep our community safer, particularly when we see that of the people we found who were here without lawful status, 54% of them have been charged with a violent crime. Those are people that I think we absolutely need to be identifying. So I think the redundancy argument falls flat on its face when you understand how all these programs interlink. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. And the resource out. Sorry. No, go sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, when, when you go to the next piece of the, the cost and the resource allocation, so one of the things that I discussed with these DIOs in Anne County was, so what happens if you have a primary situation, a, a care, custody, and control of, of the inmates there at the detention center, and you have to deal with that, but you're also in the middle of doing a 287G interview or screening or something, what do you do? And the answer was unequivocally, we stop the 287G screening and we immediately go to our primary focus. These officers did not get paid overtime, as I understand it, for any participation in this program. If they were in the middle of a 287G interview or, or screening and they couldn't complete it or they just didn't have time, they had a, um, an ICE agent who was assigned to the facility who they could call. And if it was a priority, that, that individual could come down and complete the screening. Um, if there was a person on the next shift coming on where they were going off their shift, who was another DIO, they could pass off the paperwork to them. So my understanding from them is that this did not in any way, shape, or form create more work for them in the sense that it took them away from their other job. There are absolutely staffing shortages in our detention center. That's a fact. It's, it's very clear. The superintendents talked about it. But in terms of the cause of that shortage, that is not because of this program. In talking with these detention officers, it's very clear that that was not what was going on. You know, they, this was a sort of additional piece of their job. It was, a, it was an ancillary piece. It was something that they were able to do when they had the time. It was something that they seemed to enjoy doing. Um, it was additional training and expertise that they were gaining. And it, it does not sound like it was impacting their ability to do their primary job, which is something that I've heard over and over again from the administration to suggest that that was you know, one of the reasons for going ahead and terminating the program. And then the last reason was the chilling effect, this idea that there's this erosion of trust in the community. And frankly, you know, Chief Altamari has, has discussed this on multiple occasions, and he's been extremely clear that the police department has gone above and beyond to build relationships with the community, to explain to the community, including the immigrant community, 
we are not asking for your papers. We are not here to discriminate against any individuals. We are here to provide law enforcement services for everyone, regardless of legal status. And there has been no evidence produced by anyone in the administration to suggest that there are data or statistics that would show that there is this erosion of trust. One of the things that Councilwoman Hare was asking about in our work session on Tuesday is, can you show us the number of, of sort of calls or tips or, or um, uh, incidents that you were responding to as a police department prior to the institution of 287G and then after the institution of the program? And can you show us where, you know, sort of this dip, this uh, fear that people were having, they don't want to call the police, they don't want to be involved with law enforcement. Can you show us how those numbers changed? And the answer was, no, we, we don't have that kind of data. Uh, was, you know, there was some discussion of it's very difficult to get the data out of the system, et cetera. But the point is, it's not there. And frankly, for something this important, I think if the data was there, it would have been produced and, and it hasn't been. So to me, all of the reasons that are being given for ending this program, when you dig deeper and you actually look at what's going on, they're just not there. There's a lot, a lot of good stuff you pointed out there. And one thing I think we need to make clear, and I think that our, our liberal friends kind of lose that in the ether somewhere, is the fact that, as you pointed out when you talked about what the police chief said, the police are not going out you know, trolling immigrant neighborhoods looking for people to arrest. The people who were being impacted by this program, the people that the DIOs were interviewing, were people who already had contact with law enforcement. They were arrested for some other crime. And that's why they're You're being exactly interviewed right. in this process, which I think that um, Stuart Pittman and some of the other people would like to pretend is not exactly the case. Well, I, I will say this. I think that that does get lost on folks. And I think that the at least at the forum that I was at on Monday night, which the county executive hosted, um, you know, at, at that forum, I think they did try to make that clear. But one of the concerns I had about those forums was the county executive has, has sort of made it clear this is the decision and this is where we're going and this is what we're going to do. But then we had these forums and I'm not sure that anything's going to change their mind because I asked that question to one of the representatives from the administration on Tuesday again at our work session. I said, what if any facts or data or argument or anything uh, could be presented that would change the county executive's mind. And the response was, we, we've looked at this very clearly and, and we feel, you know, that this is the right decision based on everything that we've seen. And, and to me, it's kind of like, if that's how you feel, then I'm not sure quite what the point of these these forums were other than to give people an opportunity to, I guess, hear a little bit more information about what was going on and, and potentially to vent some of their frustrations. But I don't know that that's necessarily going to change it. Um, my hope is that if the council, a majority of the council passes this resolution and says to the county executive, this is what we'd like, that the county executive will listen to that and that he will go ahead and, and you know, support the will of, of the majority of the council, which represents a majority of the county. One last question before we get you out of here. Uh, you mentioned that you were at the county executive's forum on Monday night. There was also was the, the first county mm -hmm. council meeting of the year where this was also addressed. What type of feedback are you getting from people, the people who addressed the council, who came down to the council chambers to talk to the council about this, and the feedback that you heard at the forum on, on Monday night? Where, where is the general population of our county falling on this? Well, I think that's, that's a tough question. I, the sense that I get from a lot of folks, and I can tell you why I say this, is that they support the 287G program. When you go to the forums, um, I, I'm not sure that it was quite as 
clearly skewed one way or the other. There were definitely people who, when they heard the way that it was presented by the administration, they said, well, that, that assuages my fears. I'm not so concerned anymore about this program. Um, my argument back to that would be I'm not sure that you've necessarily heard all of the information that you need to hear to understand that this is not redundant, it's not draining resources, and, and it's not eroding trust. Um, once you hear that, I would hope that people might change that opinion. But what I can tell you is I have received – I want to say about 1,100 emails wow. uh, about this, calling for the reinstatement of this program. They are sent through our county emails. Uh, they go to, I, I know because I can see who's on the email, they go to myself and every other member of the council as well as to the county executive. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that I'm keeping my own personal track of it, and it's about 63% of them are from county residents, 62, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. The majority are county residents. The rest are non-county residents. Of the non-county residents, I sort of put those on the side because obviously I don't represent those folks. But right. the vast majority of people calling for this, I mean, there are a lot of them from around the county. And I, I think this is an issue that's, that is important to people, and I think that they care and they are paying attention. Um, and I, I hope that everyone on the council notes that. I hope that everyone paying attention to this debate realizes that people are watching this. They want to see what happens. Well, Councilman Volkett, you've been very generous with your time tonight. If folks want to reach out uh, and, and email you or get in touch with you, how can they do that? Sure. Uh, you can email me at my county email address, which is nathan.volkey at aacounty.org. Uh, that's probably the best way to reach out to me. And um, if you're supportive of the program, I'd love to hear from you. If you're not supportive, I, I would love to hear you know the other side. Uh, I'm absolutely open to hearing that, but I can say very clearly that based on the review and, and the research and the interviews that I've done with people up to this point, I feel strongly this 287G program makes a lot of sense for our community. It does keep us safer, and I think it's an important thing that we should have. It's another tool in the toolbox uh, for public safety to be, to be making sure that Anne Arundel County is the best place as the county executive um, suggests that it should be. County Councilman Nathan Volke, representing the 3rd District of Anne Arundel County. Thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great evening. You too. Thanks, you too. We're going to go ahead and cut to a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the week in Annapolis as well as Red Maryland poll results. Stick with us. You are listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. You can help Red Maryland grow our reach when you visit redmaryland.com and click on the Amazon link and shop as normal. A portion of your purchase will come back to Red Maryland to help us grow. Additionally, you can buy Red Maryland t-shirts, drinkware, and other gear from our Zazzle store at zazzle.com slash redmaryland. We want to hear from you. Email us at any time at redmaryland at gmail.com. You can also leave audio feedback on a Red Maryland talkback line at 410-205-4875. We might use your feedback on our programming. You are listening to Maryland's most trusted conservative voice, the Red Maryland Network. Be sure to follow Red Maryland on all of the major social networking sites. You can follow us at Red Maryland on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, Snapchat, and Tumblr to get the latest from Red Maryland. And be sure to follow the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com. Celebrating five years as Maryland's only network that matters, you're listening to the Red Maryland Network. Back home school, you 
Goûte. We're back. Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. I am Brian. He is Greg. Good to be here. <laughs> Sehr gut. Um, Very good. Big thanks to County Councilman Nathan Volke. We had him on for, God, what, half an hour yeah. talking about immigration. A lot of just fantastic information, stuff you're not going to hear elsewhere um, talking about the immigration program. And I think what he did so great, and, you know, we, we know Nathan. We know the, the mind. We're very lucky to have him on the county council now. It's really if not the leading Republican in county government, one of the leading Republicans mm-hmm. in county government. And you saw him completely disassemble the the arguments that the county executive has been making on this and, and giving you the information as to why, right. if you were skeptical about what was going on, why you were right in that skepticism. Yeah, I mean, it sh- and it kind of shows you, too, um, kind of the elections have consequences thing. Yeah. This would not have happened if... Um, if Steve Shue had been reelected, and yeah. and you know, I, and, and let's be honest, Steve Shue didn't lose because he had this program, right? This was a lot of external factors. Uh, there were a lot of external factors, but the point is, outside of kind of the the, the left wing base that was pushing Stuart Pittman, this this issue doesn't this this decision doesn't happen, right? And I think it's important for us to keep that in mind going forward, uh, because there are going to be real consequences. I mean. You know, it's not some sort of fear mongering that's going on. As you heard Nathan Councilman Volke say in in great detail, there are scores of people mm-hmm. who were violent criminals who we were able to keep off the streets right. because of this program that didn't require additional resources that weren't that weren't going to be uh, detained under the other programs that wasn't requiring these officers to do more than they were already doing. And now, as he said, they're going to fall through the cracks. There is undoubtedly going to be, and look, Brian and I live in Anderonda County. This isn't some abstract thing to us. There are going to be violent criminals who could have been kept in jail, could have been detained longer that are going to end up back on the streets. Right. Because of this decision. And that's, that's a problem. And, um, you know, I, I, I think he, he I, I think Councilman Volke is, is very diplomatic and that's why he's very good at what he does. You know, I think some of the reporting on some of these forums and some, you know, the reporting on some of these forums, especially in the Capitol, has been to kind of portray those who are skeptical of this as some sort of, you know, MAGA semi-racist yeah. or anti-illegal immigrant entirely and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, the county executives is very reasonable, well thought out. Per- well, no. Uh, you know, and and when you listen to Councilman Volke, and he went through in some detail, telling you why, as I said, disassembling that argument. Um, I, I, you know, that's not going to be reported in that kind of detail, unfortunately, right. in the local media, which is why we do what we do here. And the fact is, this is the kind of issue when it comes to illegal immigration, and I know many of you are concerned about that, and. There's national issue levels and there's sanctuary state stuff going on all the time. This is why we cover state and local politics here because this is a big deal that's affecting us. Look, I mean, it's look. one thing to talk about building. I'm sorry, Brian. I'm no, interrupting. It's ahead. one thing to talk about building a wall on the southern border, but we've got Ill- criminal aliens right here in this county where we live, right, who are going to be released on the streets because of a politician giving in to left wing hysteria uh, with regard to the immigration issue. Yeah, it, it kind of goes to show 
Uh, and that was basically what I was going to say, Greg. I'm sorry. And it kinda, no, it's fine. It goes to show that Stuart Pittman is not running a reality-based administration. He's just going to do whatever feels good and the facts be damned. And Nathan did a, a fantastic job of, of laying that out for everybody. I do want to remind everybody that this week's episode of Red Maryland Radio is brought to you by Brad Roars with Howard Bank, our bank here at Red Maryland. He helps people save a few dollars, home purchases, loans, refinance, VA, FHA, conventional loans. If you want to save a buck, Call Brad Roars, a conservative who wants to help conservatives save a few dollars when you're needing a loan. Contact him at bradthebanker.com, or that number is 443-876-2846. Give it to me again. 443-876-2846. Brad, the Brad Roars, bradthebanker.com. This show also sponsored by the Montgomery County Republican Central Committee, who invites you to their 2019 convention at the Hilton in Gaithersburg. Uh, WMAL's Larry O'Connor is going to be there. Governor Hogan message is going to be there. Delegate Neil Parrott's going to be there talking about redistricting. All that and more, uh, go to mcgop.com slash convention2019 for more information. Coming to you, Authority, Montgomery County Republican Central Committee, Don Irvine, Treasurer. Yeah. I also and thank great- you to those guys. Uh, we've got yeah. some great sponsors. We do. In 2019, we're off and running here on the network because of those guys. Thank you very much. Hey, speaking of sponsors, if you want to get into the door to the Red Maryland Leadership Conference, general yeah. admission tickets have been sold out yes. for weeks. Correct. Um, but if you want to get in the and door... I think, the, and I think... I'm, I'm no, sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go get, give the... But if you want to get in the door, the only way to do that is to buy a sponsorship, redmarylandconference.com. You have until Monday at Monday. noon. Monday. That's it. There No tickets are being sold at the door. And let... And let me say this as well. We're not going to videotape this and release a DVD. If no. you don't if you don't have a ticket and you don't buy a sponsorship by Monday, you're going to miss out. There'll be stuff that'll there'll be clips and stuff that will come out of this. Um but there's a ton of stuff. And next week we'll do a preview of what we're going to do. Yeah. But this is going to be a great event and we're, you know, you can hear how excited we are. You're going to want to be there. If you're listening to this show, I'm telling you, yeah. you're going to want to be there. And the only way you're going to get the the full out of what's going to happen is uh, at this point is to get a sponsor. And for those of you who support us and bought tickets. Thank you. You're going to have a great time. Yeah. Trust me. It's going to be a great time. Um, I One thing, too, we want to point out, um, Andrew Langer, good friend Andrew Langer. Yes. He's having a meet and greet at the G&M out in Linthicum the night before the conference that's correct 7 p.m not sure if i'm gonna be able to make it out to that or not just based on everything that's going on with the conference but in case yes, you we'll have, be we'll be last minute getting ready for the conference I'm but sure. langer will be broadcasting his wbal show also correct. from the conference 7 a.m to 10 a.m wbal's right. andrew langer uh broadcasting his wbal show 7 a.m to 10 a.m Live from the Red Maryland Leadership Conference. That's right. So that's a big deal as well. Lots of stuff. And it'll also on. it'll also have a have a panel later on in right in the day talking about regulatory reform, which is right. uh, one of the real policy highlights. Yeah, I, what? I, well, we're not going to do the full review now, but no. it's going to be an exciting. It's event. a lot going on. If you so you got till Monday. If 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 you're like, oh God, I wish I could go. You got till Monday to get a sponsorship. That's the the door is closing very rapidly. Right. If you wanted to pay, otherwise rent, you're going to have to wait till next maybe year. Maybe till next year. Yeah. So, and if you already got a ticket, thank ah, you. You're a winner. Thank winner. you. We told people for a long time it was going to sell out. It did. It did before Christmas. It did absolutely. Um, 
Also, a big shout out and thanks to the Charles County Republican Central Committee. Yeah, you went down there this down week. There on, on Monday. Good group. Got to talk to them for about 25 minutes or so. Okay. Talk about Red Maryland. Talk about the network. Talk about podcasting. Um, a lot of people had heard of Red Maryland, knew Red nice. Maryland. Not a lot of people. It's were a nice into, change. That hasn't always been the case. Not a lot of people things. into podcasting. Okay, so we're going to work how, on that. Talk about how easy it was to let's do a podcast. Just You can do it on your phone. How yeah. you can subscribe on iTunes, Citrus, Spreaker, the TuneIn Radio app, and Google Play. I, and, and I got to tell you, I mean, this is this and a is, lot of folks down there are coming to the conference. By the great, way, great, awesome. That's all. Awesome. And by and, and and I tell you, this has been the case for a long time. The the blog of which Brian is is in charge of is we've been hearing this for years. Uh, oh, well, I read the blog. I don't have time to listen to your podcast. You know, I'm and as the general manager of the network, it is changing. And you people who are listening to this are not the problem. Um, <laughs> it's changing. Uh, you know, five years, ten years from now, I think things will be different. But. But so, but we're way ahead of the game, and right. uh, it's good that people are hearing about the Red Maryland brand, which we're always and being on to Facebook has helped tremendously. By the way, this yeah, no, I mean that's that the was... place to be, and, and uh, thank you to everybody who's supported us on Facebook. And you know, if you want to know what <laughs> this was not the design that we had, but if no. you, if you want to know what the fourteen percent of Republicans who don't like the governor <laughs> are thinking, um, just look at just look at the comments under Brian's post about congratulating Governor Hogan. Uh, Which wasn't was, even a post about, yeah, I mean. It wasn't even a post. It was just, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. And also, and also, and just as bad, yeah. um, the people who, um, you know, the people who are posting things about my story, and we'll, we'll kind of get into this now. I posted a story yesterday. If you listen that to is that, called a segue. If folks. you listen to last week's show, I talked a little bit. There was I played the Larry O'Connor piece uh, right. when he had Governor Hogan on. Correct. He, I said my piece a little bit. Hey, this is why he's not running for president. I expanded upon my thoughts because everybody after everybody after the governor text of Governor Hogan's remarks came right. out from Thursday or on Wednesday from his inauguration. Everybody started having a fever dream. Um, a lot. Of, I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of people had a fever dream about Governor Hogan running for president. And look, I've said this wholeheartedly. I will say it again right now. Speculation run amok, at least. If Governor Hogan runs against Donald Trump, I will vote for Governor Hogan. No questions asked. It's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. I I don't know that I would be in that category. I I would definitely be in that category. Here's here's the thing, and and I know you talked about this, and and I I listened to the governor's speech, and I thought his speech was great. Mm -hmm. And... uh, the problem with the politics of the modern day is that everything is about national politics. Everything is about yes. Donald Trump. Everything is the governor. When he talked about his father, when he talked about his father's experience in Watergate and all that kind of stuff, uh, he said that a million times. He said he, that he, he said, said that, that when during he the campaign. He was running for governor right, five years 2014, ago. long before Donald, probably when Donald Trump was still a Democrat. That's he's, true. He said he's talked about this stuff. Look, keep in mind, Governor Hogan's father, Larry Hogan Sr., uh, wanted to run for governor and came up short. Governor Hogan has fulfilled that family dream, and he was able to experience that in 2015 with his father when he got inaugurated. To win a second term is something that even his father probably could have never dreamed of. It's sad that his father's passed away. He's not able to be there. It's not surprising. In fact, it's perfectly in character with this governor that he would mention his father and he would talk about it. And in the midst of what's going on in Washington, whether there was still a shutdown going on or not, if the shutdown had ended the day before the inauguration, I don't think he'd change one word of that speech. Not at all. 
And when he's talking about Watergate, he's and holding and and repeating his father's words about integrity and the rule of law. He's not, you know. I know the Democrats got really excited because they thought he was making some sort of reference to the, the the current situation in Washington. He wasn't. He's he's given that speech many times before. Now, do I think the pres? Do I think Governor Hogan wants to be president of the United States? I, we've talked about this a million times before. I don't know what's in his heart. I I guarantee you there are an awful lot of people mm-hmm. in his ear, especially now that he's won twice, trying to convince him to do that. Yes. There are a lot of people who are seeing what the governor has accomplished in this state, especially those who don't like the current president, don't don't like the conservative or Trumpist aspects let's, of let's let's of not party throw conservative around there. Well, he's more moderate. I think moderates get really excited about him too. Uh, uh, Trump, yeah, I put slash whatever. Yeah. I understand that. Um, our, our he's becoming kind of the focus of their wish casting as yes. far as an alternative to the current situation in the White House. Um, and look, the governor is an ambitious guy. He has to be to accomplish what he's accomplished. He has an ego to some degree. He has to to be to to be, to be where he is in life. Every every governor of every state, the thought has right. crossed their mind. He's Just like jo- every senator has thought has crossed their mind. He's jokingly talked about running for. He jokingly talked about running for president in 2015. I can remember a press conference where he jokingly mm-hmm. talked about that. Yeah. So, uh, and who knows what's going to happen in Washington? So. Uh, is he going to say hell no? I'm not going to run him. Is he going to foreclose oh, no, it? He no, is, he is one thousand percent correct because he's a, he's and we've talked about this before. Right. I mentioned it in my piece. He's right. the smartest political mind, yeah. or one of the smartest political minds we've encountered. If Governor Hogan decides to run for president, right. which again, as I said in my piece, go read my piece. Yeah. Most of the people commenting on Facebook didn't. Um, go read shocker. The, yeah, shocker. Uh, go read the piece, and I say yeah. this in there. Nothing about Governor Hogan's record or his focus says he right. has any interest or inkling of running for president. Right. But he would be I, a I damn fool if he closed the door because that allows him, between There's no, being a two-term governor, right. being chairman of the National Governors Association, it right. helps create that additional platform. And as I said, and I'll let you finish in a go second. Ahead. No, go ahead. Is that if Governor Hogan ultimately decides to run for president, right. that would tell me a lot about what him and his team sees in the political tea leaves. It would definitely be a bad sign for the president if Larry Hogan decided to run because that would mean that either Governor Hogan saw an opportunity to win the primary or saw that President Trump would be in danger in a general election. Yeah, it, and I, I think it would probably take even more than that before he got in in 2020. Remember, 2020 isn't going to be the last presidential election. Okay, There's going Correct. to be a presidential election after President Trump. Right. So... Whatever happens in 2020, there's going to be an open yeah, presidential there's a, there's a seat tomorrow. in 2024. Or some people have a fever dream that he's going to run for U.S. Senate against Chris Van Hollen. Something well, else and, I and don't see happening. I That's that's at least more plausible, plausible. and reasonable, uh, I think. I don't know if he wants to do that or not. He's an executive type, and that's, that's his mindset. Um, here's the thing. I, and I'm going to be straight with you, bottom line in here. Brian's heard me say this a million times. Mm-hmm. Larry Hogan is not conservative enough to become the presidential nominee of the mayor of the United States Republican Party, which is only ironic when you consider how not conservative the most recent Republican nominee for president was. Was, well, still was, is, but I, well, he's got a record to run on now. He does. So, um, I, look, 
he he's not going to win. He he knows that he's not going to tilt at windmills. The only way that I could foresee him getting in in 2020, and I don't see it happening even in this scenario, is if the president decided he's not going to run again. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think it would be terrible for our party and for the country if that's the case, because it dramatically increases the chances that we're going to get an Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris or some crazy left-wing wing nut in the White House. Right. Okay. Um, the president is flawed in many ways. I think the loss of the midterms is a direct result of, of that, mm-hmm. and it should be concerning. I, to my mind, ideally, the president, the best thing that could happen for all of us is that the president improves the way that he communicates. He st- you know, does a better job communicating the positive things. He's a little better thinking strategically. Um, and. I mean, he is who he is. He's not going to change that dramatically. Well, Greg, you can wish in one hand and, well, you know. I, I But I think he can get better. It, but here's the point. There's no upside to Governor Hogan closing the None. door on it. 2024? He likes people Maybe, talking sure. about it. It gives, him some, it gives him some street cred and some profile nationally, something he can use to help Maryland, to increase his own profile, to raise money ultimately, to keep his options open going down the road. Okay, and let's not forget. There's no reason to foreclose it. Let's but, not forget. But let me say let me say one more thing. But I don't think he's going to run in 2020 because his legacy ultimately is going to be tied to what he does in the second term as yes. governor. Yes, and I was going to point that out too because if you look at Martin O'Malley's legacy, his legacy was trash. Right. But a lot of it was because his second term. Right. He spent running for president. Yeah. And we trashed him for that for four years. And that's I, – I, I think that – And by the even way – Even if Governor Hogan were to run in 2024, even if that's his plan – Right. And I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it isn't. I'm saying he'd have a hell of a lot better chance running in 2024 than he would in 2020, certainly. I, there's no question. That's just math. But I believe in my and heart I don't hearts, think it's that great, but – That Governor Hogan is going to finish out his job doing the job he told the people of Maryland he's going to do, not like Martin O'Malley did, and then spending half his time in Iowa and New Hampshire, yeah. you know, going gaga and, for all this and other his stuff. Ulti- and running, let me finish, Go my ahead, point sorry. and trying to make Maryland this laboratory of left-wing nonsense. Um, Larry Hogan wouldn't do that, but he's certainly not going to, he's certainly not going to shift his priorities and shift his focus towards running for president like Martin O'Malley did. Yeah, two things. Number End one, of sermon. Uh, th- well put. Totally agree with you. Number one, his ultimate legacy as governor, other than just winning twice, is going to be redistricting. Yes. That fight, that's, that's a that good fight is going to go past 2020. It's going to require every bit of political acumen and capital that he has to win that fight. Because if he ultimately loses it, it does spoil his... He becomes a blip. He becomes a footnote. Yes. Okay. Uh, so if he, he can't, he can't accomplish success in redistricting, in my opinion, is that Brian says he's out spending the next year going to Iowa and South Carolina and New Hampshire and almost certainly losing even then. Okay. Because if the president were not to run again or were for some other reason not to be right. the nominee, there's a lot of other more viable candidates who are going to jump like in. Pence, Ben Sass, we could spend an entire hour talking about them. But a Nikki Haley Rubio would be again. one. Um, I just said that for Braswell. Get his Irish up. There you go. So, so I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's really going to do it long term. I don't know what he wants to do. He'll decide that then. Uh, but so his legacy is here. He knows it's here. I, I think he knows that. Um, 
sometimes I worry about the governor because he's got a lot of he's got a lot. Some of his closest advisors are Democrats. I'm just let's just be straight about that. They are. And a lot of his closest advisors are people that we've kind of knocked around as as squishy Republicans for a long time. He's got some good right thinking people around him and he's done a lot of good things and will continue yes. to. Um, but I, he's not going to run. Just let's, relax. Let's, it, and and here's my other point, And this okay. is where I'll wind it up. And if he were serious about running for president as a Republican mm-hmm. and I assume he would be doing that. <laughs> Um, he'd be he'd have to be a much more conservative guy. So he he'd probably have to more he probably would yes. be more like some of you who criticize him all the time would want him to be. <laughs> That's exactly what Martin O'Malley did. Was he b- burnished his bona fides with the base? Burnished his bona fides, bona fides with the base. <laughs> so if he if Governor Hogan did that, yeah, that might not be such a bad thing. But that's not going to happen either. Let's so. segue. I want to talk about one other thing. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in Annapolis right now. The budget got dropped. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff going but, on about rank choice voting. We'll talk more about that probably. By the way, budget, control spending, tax cuts. No taxes going up. Taxes five years in a row. FYI. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about redistricting because a lot of redistricting bills dropped this week. Right. I had to laugh because a certain media outlet, which will remain unnamed, you can figure it out, Greg. Probably does it have an alliterative title? It and does. Funded by dark money. Thought said that the Republicans were going to war on redistricting, and that that belies the governor's bipartisan, um, right. the nature of his um, right. of his inaugural address this week. A bill, bills were introduced. It's an administration bill. It's the best redistricting bill I think we've seen probably in forever, quite frankly, because it talks about the you know, we talk about the nonpartisan commission, but we're also talking about single member districts. Right. We're talking about geographically compact districts. We're talking right. about making congressional districts geographically compact. It checks all the boxes for redistricting reform, which, as Greg pointed out, would be Governor Hogan's greatest legacy. Um, it is. It is his legacy. This issue is his long-term political legacy. Yes. If he is not successful, if the Democrats are able to ramrod through another map like we've seen before, the Hogan, the Hogan chapter in Maryland history will be like the Ehrlich chapter, just a footnote and and not a seminal change in the direction that right. state politics has been going. Yeah. There is no question about that. And no, I, I think the governor understands that more than anybody. And it and it is silly to say he's going to work because ultimately he's going to need at least some Democrats to help make that happen. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a Republican bill. You know, this is this bill. And that's the thing that pissed me off about that, how that was phrased. Right. Well, Um, that's not that's not an accident that it was phrased. Of course not, because, you know, partisanship, but independent. Um, The fact is nonpartisan. Yeah. Right. Whatever. Um, the fact is, is that, you know, and this is this is what some of our the 14 percenters, as we as we like to call them, tend, Good to, name for, for tend to forget about, which right. is the fact that to get legislation passed in Annapolis, you've got to get Democrats to go along with you. Right. OK. Right. If this bill passes, it's going to take Democrats to go along with us. There is literally, literally, literally no reason to vote against this bill unless you are somebody who enjoys the status quo, who believes that super partisan districts are the way to go, who believes that it's fair that some people have only one delegate, some people have two, some people have three. Right. If you believe that, you know, taking political party affiliation into account, which this bill would ban, by the way. So we're not even talking about that's a th- again, going back to this war thing. 
the bill, the way that was written makes it sound like they're doing this to Republican gain. You won't even be able to use voting history or voter registration records to draw districts if this bill passes. Right. It is the most nonpartisan, fair, good government redistricting bill yeah. that has ever been introduced in the state of Maryland. And the Democrats don't care because they right. want to protect their phony baloney jobs. Here's here's what the Democrats could, and, and you're right. And you know what? A fair, objective, follow the Constitution, compact, single-member districts bill, it will favor Republicans. Right. Because anything other than the hyper-partisan uh, gerrymandering that we've seen for decades here would help Republicans. It helped communities. It helped all minorities of every kind right. get more representation. It'd make government more accountable. It'd make, it, it'd make a lot more competitive general election races which would improve yes. our our uh, uh, which would improve the legislature and our politics that will frankly. improve our legis our legislative process but, it'll improve our elections hold on a second more ahead. than any of these other fakakta top two primary things yeah. that brooke learman's passing this ranked choice voting that was a disaster in maine right. it's going to improve yeah. our station in life more than any of these other left-wing democratic bills right it takes away the incentive for those kinds of things but here's the thing. The Democrats know that the only reason they have a supermajority, not a majority, but a supermajority in the state legislature and the General Assembly is because of redistricting. They know that they can't give that up. Now, the hyperpartisan ideological lefties will say we can't sacrifice progress to the hands of, you know, the hoi polloi and the, the great unwashed. We have to use this tool to help us. The naked machine politicians on the Democratic side will say we can't give up our power because this is how we this is the only reason we can shake people down. If we had fair elections where we had to compete with people, well, you see what happens with that with Governor Hogan. So this is one area where Democrats can absolutely unite because um, at least as far as the, the power brokers, the rank and file Democrats want it want fair elections and they want. Uh, they they won an honest redistricting. But at the end of the day, and this is, again, this is what the 14 percenters need to understand. Governor Hogan's going to have to get some Democrats to break that kind of rank at a, at a fundamental level of the Democratic Party's power base and the, the one of the foundations of their uh their monopoly on power in Annapolis, their majority in Annapolis. He's going to have to get some some Democrats to break with that. Yes. In order either to pass a bill or even to sustain a veto of his electoral map. Yes. So that's why the going to war thing is is kind of offensive because the governor is going to have to be as bipartisan and as working across the aisle and as cooperative as possible, leaning on these good government types, especially those in marginal districts, especially those who, you know, who who the question is going to be put to, you're going to talk, maybe that actually do want to walk the walk and not just talk the talk when it comes to, you know, good government types of stuff. He's going to have to do that. Yeah. And so he's not, anybody out there who thinks, and I've seen this a couple times, Anybody who thinks he can just draw a hyper-partisan, right-wing, conservative Republican map and ramrod that through the way Martin O'Malley did can't do math and doesn't understand the Constitution of our state or right. the political makeup. He can't do that. If he, if he could, we'd be advocating for it, too. Right. Believe me. Um, but he can't. 
And and the fact is that a, a, a truly objective form will last longer because it will be harder to undo. Yes. That's why it's so critical to break it. Without and that's question. why breaking it will be such a legacy for the government. Without question, Greg. Well, let's take a break. We got, you know, we got more weeks of session coming up. Obviously, there's a lot of other Annapolis stuff that we'll be talking about. After we come back, we will talk about poll results. You're not going to want to miss that. Stick with us. You're listening to Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. We'll be right back. You can help Red Maryland grow our reach when you visit redmaryland.com and click on the Amazon link and shop as normal. A portion of your purchase will come back to Red Maryland to help us grow. Additionally, you can buy Red Maryland t-shirts, drinkware, and other gear from our Zazzle store at zazzle.com slash redmaryland. We want to hear from you. Email us at any time at redmaryland at gmail.com. You can also leave audio feedback on our Red Maryland Talkback line at 410-205-4875. We might use your feedback on our programming. You are listening to Maryland's most trusted conservative voice, the Red Maryland Network. Be sure to follow Red Maryland on all of the major social networking sites. You can follow us at Red Maryland on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+, Snapchat, and Tumblr to get the latest from Red Maryland. And be sure to follow the home base for all things Red Maryland, redmaryland.com. Celebrating five years as Maryland's only network that matters. You're listening to the Red Maryland Network. This is your favorite. We are back. Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. I am Brian. He is Greg. Just mash the buttons. We, we did have Greg. a caller. Let's go ahead and, and, and sure take the caller. It? Sure, it's, it's live radio. What could possibly go wrong? Here we go. Come on, Block Talk. We can do it. Caller, you are on the air. Breaker. Hello. Hello. Are you talking to me? Yes. Yes. How can we help you? I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, please. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that. Okay, I'm calling from um, the state of Connecticut, so I'm, uh, but I always make a point to try to reach out to other right-wingers uh, wherever they're at. Great. And, what, uh, is there a specific well, question we can help you with? To, well, well, yeah, I... I uh, I guess I just wanted to touch into, um, you know, about the general election primarily. Um, I do think that uh, I do think that uh, I think we have to we do need to stay the course because um, I just think uh, turning um, turning the tide in the middle of things uh, I think would be certainly be bad for the party. Uh, nationwide and i certainly don't want to give what i don't want to see happen is is the uh socialist folks uh take the house in 2020 because i think that uh i think it would be a disaster i think that uh 
I, I've never seen them this mad. Uh, I'd probably have to go all the way back to Nixon, I guess. Uh, and I think if they got back in power, I think you would see things uh, <laughs> we've probably never even seen before. Um well, definitely, definitely sure. We definitely appreciate you calling in tonight. Yeah, uh, that was your idea to take that. that. Good um, idea. We did have a question. In Thank the, you for your call, by the way, from from Connecticut. Connecticut, yes. Um, in home of the hamburger, by the way. Is that right? Okay, yes, the hamburger was invented in New Haven, Connecticut. I've stopped there yeah. and eaten, which probably shouldn't shock you. You know, else is headquartered there, Knights of Columbus, which may there make me unqualified. I tend to, be a to agree. Federal judge. I but, tend to agree. If if we have somebody else as our nominee as the Republicans in 2020, that's almost certainly bad news. I will say this: if you look at the record, if you look at what happened in 1968 when Johnson was running for reelection. McCarthy was running against him in New Hampshire, almost beat him. Johnson bailed out of the ballot. I mean, 1968 was a completely jacked up year for a lot of reasons. Not it's really an anomalous the, year. Not the best right. year in the history of our country, but uh, it certainly helped Nixon win that election sure. um, without question. Sure. Let's go ahead and talk to oh, one question in the chat room about ranked choice voting being a disaster in Maine. It took about three weeks on a lawsuit to figure out who won. That's basically why it was a disaster in Maine. Yeah. Um, I have contacts in Maine. They'd love to talk to you about that. Let's get down to the results of our Red Maryland poll. Yes. Which is very important. Uh, 130 of you participated. Down from last month. Not everybody was all uh, excited about voting as they uh, in the... um, what? Yeah, voting, voting as they there were for for last month. But the count, all of the counties represented, with one exception of Harford County. Yes, which was kind of weird, but whatever. But everybody else, we got all our friends from the Eastern Shore. We got Garrett on board. Yeah. And now Harford County flakes on us. Come on. Fifteen <laughs> percent, though, were members of the Central Committee, which is nice. A little the, the, the age group is a little interesting because we have uh, have have a lot of folks in the Greg Klein and older demographic participating. This yes. Night. Yes. I'm I'm maybe even below the median here. You are below the median. That's yeah. Without yeah. question. So advertisers. You're I mean, below the majority here, actually, if you start doing the math. But. Go ahead. All no. Right. Shut up. No, median <laughs> is not. Yes. No. Yes. Median means there are more people older than me than younger than me. Okay. but Not the average. I didn't say average. No, you're talking about the mean. No, the mean it is matter. the average. It doesn't matter, but basically we're like a blue chew advertisement waiting to happen. Anyway, um, <laughs> we asked the question... Uh, at this point, do you plan to vote for President Donald Trump in the 2020 we didn't ask primary? The male fe- well, I'm sorry. We didn't ask the male female, did we? No. Okay. I really should take off the age question because it's really just a pain in the ass. To- well, if they were older males, I'd say this is, you know, boner pill producers. Come on. That's what, I said, on that's what I'm talking about. Blue yeah. Well, that's one form. There are others. Right. Our friends, our friends at WGMB Hashtag, have lots of fun commercials. That's one of them. <laughs> They sell a lot of pills on that station, which is hey. So do a lot of half the other bloggers we know. Somebody, well, that's a real radio station. Somebody left law enforcement to hawk those. Anyway, um, (laughs) at this point, do you plan to vote for President Donald Trump in the 2020 presidential primary? 67.2 percent of you said yes. Okay. 15.6 percent said no. 17.2 percent said I. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Right. So the 2022 keeping their options open. The too. 2022 Republican primary for governor were held today. Who would you vote for? Surprising number said Boyd Rutherford, 22.3 percent. I think a little Bo- surprised by that. Uh, it, it varies, but I think Boyd Rutherford is being positioned as kind of he's getting a lot of front position. I don't know if lieutenant, the lieutenant governor. By the way, the first Republican elected to two terms as, as a lieutenant, lieutenant governor. governor. Yes, 
So is it the first African-American to be elected to a statewide state office for two terms? No, Anthony Brown. The second, the first Republican to do that. Yes. Thanks for correcting me on that. Yeah, um, The smartest? No, I won't do that. <laughs> I won't do that. That's not fair. Steve Shu finished second, 9.2%. Secretary Kelly Schultz, you guys kept writing her in, so we put her on the poll. Yeah. And she finished third. There you go. 7.7%. Andy Harris and Craig Wolf tied 5.4%. I like the guy that we had. We had some write-in votes, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, we had uh, Kathy Schlega, by the way, 6.2%. Uh, Kevin Leary got two write-in votes. Steve Hershey got two write-in votes. Somebody wrote in John Grasso. <laughs> it was probably John Grasso. Yeah. And then Sid, I, John, Sa- John, Sid John, Saab got abs- a write-in vote, too. John, you should absolutely run for governor. Hey, no person who has ever... That is one absolutely. least valuable conservative has won that award after then then gone on to run for governor. It could be the greatest comeback in Maryland political. We got some other answers. None of the above. None of the above would vote for Francho in the general. Really? Don't, don't do that. Really? Pat really? McDonough. P-A-A-T. Oh, McDonough. I see. I get jokes. One of these have a chance and okay. is Wargatz running? <laughs> uh, Judge that I'm aware of. I, yeah. I'm not aware that, that he is. So we asked but, the people, uh, what, what is the, uh, who do you think to be the Democratic nominee for president in 2020? Most people said Joe Biden. Kamala Harris. Which is interesting. It's interesting. Kamala, this will change over time. Just get, get yeah. a few. Who would our readers think the Democrats will nominate? It's yeah. kind of an interesting question. Kamala Harris and Beto O'Rourke finished second. And uh, then you had Elizabeth What do you think Warren of him Ford. Instagramming his teeth getting done? What the hell is that? I think about? that. I, I mean, I know, Beto, I know we're stupid in our politics in a lot of ways, but it, it's going to get worse. You're I think me. Beto O'Rourke is an empty vessel that the left is putting its hopes and dreams into. Well, and it's, that even, it's the time for that. And that even if, if you kind of read some of the stuff he puts out, he's kind of having one of those crisis of confidence moments where it's like he it seems to be thinking to myself, I'm a dumbass, but people really want me to run for president, so maybe I should do that. It's it's actually pretty insightful if that's if that's if that's his takeaway because that's yeah. pretty accurate actually. So we asked people, what's the most important issue the General Assembly should address in 2019? Lots of stuff going on. Yeah. We we threw some suggestions up here. Right. Public safety got 26.2%. Sure. Taxes, 24.6%. Spending, 15.4%. Education, 6.9%. Transportation, 3.1%. Abortion and regulation both got 2.3%. Assisted suicide, 1.5%. 17.7% of you went with something else, and here are what we got with some of those. Other issues mentioned Illegal immigration. It's a big one. You should have had that on there. I think that is a big one. Death with dignity. It is not assisted suicide. Okay. Drug problem. Show your work on that. I'd yeah. love to see that. Redidtricking. I, I think they're being redistricting. Voter integrity and taxes. We are about to get reamed because the legislature is not allowing Marylanders to itemize unless on federal return. Um, okay. All right. Healthcare. Opioid crisis. By the way, that tax thing that the governor wanted done, that's one of those things the governor wanted done do last year. Yeah. And the Didn't Democrats the couldn't. Went, yeah. Supporting President Trump. That's what the General Assembly should focus on. Really? That's that's what we're going with. You're going to be disappointed, I'm afraid. Illegal aliens. Right. Why Red Maryland is still in existence? I think there should. I don't know which committee that would be mm-hmm. in, but there absolutely should be an investigation. Immigration, that. but not the way it will be addressed. I got you. Working for the common good that rather than trying to gain political advantage. All right. Illegal immigration. Right. Keeping Maryland safe from illegal immigrants. Right. The immigration problem. Sanctuary statism. 2A. Right to Second carry. Amendment. Sure. 
preventing any more infringements of the Second Amendment. Okay. I'm surprised. You need to put immigration in there. Obviously, that's a big issue. Let me ask the question. This is an open-ended question. What is the most important issue facing your county? Now, some of this, it turned out, was a reading comprehension problem. Yeah, sure People was. read, and, and sometimes we, you know, the way we read, we our mind plays tricks on us. County. County. Most important issue facing your county. So we're just going to read them? Because we know we talked about the state. Now we want it on a local level. What's most important so where you live on a local just level? Just read them as they come here. National debt. The debt. Parties getting along. Did you mean county? Yes, because that's what we said. Donald Trump's unhinged actions are a threat to our country. Immigration. Opioid addiction. Still. Okay. All right. United States. United States <laughs> is a threat to our county. Crime. Okay. National security. Election integrity and the climate change hoax. Okay. People who think the president isn't an idiot. <laughs> Spending. Security. Delaware. Delaware. Tax-free business Delaware friendly. is the greatest threat to our county. Let's declare war. Let's honestly, do it. I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm ready on to the, sign up. On the eastern shore, I would be willing to bet that is a very accurate I, statement. Legitimate. Let's yeah. do it. Security. Negative media. Okay. Cor- corruption. C-O-R-U-P-T-I-O-N. You were down in Charles County, so that... that Illegal made... immigration. Speaking of it. Immigration. Economic. 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 Economic is the biggest issue <laughs> facing our county. U.S. employers who hire border violators and U.S. narcotics users who send their dollars to international criminal cartels. Debt. County. Homeland security. Illegal immigration. Trump derangement syndrome. Yeah, Brian. Crime. Growth of ineffective government spending and programs. Opioids. Taxes. Debt deficit. Public safety. Border national security. U.S. debt economy infrastructure. Immigration. Illegal aliens and open borders. Right. Illegal immigration. Overdevelopment. Democrat exec overbuilding. I don't know if that means he's overbuilding or if he is floating over a building or what that means. <laughs> Loss of undeveloped land. Okay. School system. Those are at least county right. issues. South River water quality, which translates to development and education. Okay. Immigration sanctuary stupidity. All right. Elimination of 287G and implementation of the red flag bill. We talked about some of that. Right now, the 287G closing. There you go. Jobs, economic development, opioid epidemic. A lot of thoughts people had on this. Taxes. Illegals. Brainwashing of youth by socialists. Crime in Section 8. I oh. better know what county that was oh, from. Oh, I bet I do, too. Education budget. Overregulation, especially education. Employment, skilled employees, good work ethics. Infrastructure. Sanctuary status, immigration, education funding battles. That's that's what are the more imaginative spellings. I M A G R A T I O N. Yeah. Crime and public safety, funding new schools without raising taxes. That is a challenge. Stupid people having kids. <laughs> Illegal immigration, population growth. The CEO of the school population board, growth. The CEO of the school board and its members should be elected by the people, not the county executive. Okay. Crime. Right. Concerned Calvin Ball is going to find ways to raise taxes. Yeah, I would be too. Taxes. Opioid crisis. Immigration. Tax increase. Sure. Using state benefits and making money on the side. Don't want to do hard and honest work. Taxes. Drugs. Roads and taxes. Right. Redistricting. Education. United States. The United States is the greatest issue facing our county. Public safety and water purity. We must protect. <laughs> we must protect. Doe. I also have seen 
I have also seen Doctor Strange <laughs> spending the horror of a sanctuary state, overpopulation, oh, the schools, border security, and Islam. It's the greatest threat to their county. Char- I said the most important issue, not even most a threat. important issue. Most important issue: charter, roads, opioids, taxes, diminishment of liberties. There you go. That's e- a, that's an evergreen answer right there. Econ Vell, Pittman, Pittman, yes. spending, opioid use, right, overdevelopment. Crime, budget that wastes money on illegal aliens, Democrats, taxes, United States. United States again. Opioid problems, illegal immigration, expensive lawsuits. Again, stupid people having children. (laughs) Business growth, lack of sidewalks, overdevelopment, sanctuary county status. Getting rid of the Steve Shue cabal that is wasteful, incestuous, incestuous, and detrimental to the GOP. Greg, your thoughts. Uh... A lot of ideas that you all had. Thank you for sharing those. <laughs> so now... Each one more implementable than the next. No, so, so now we, we really... Would you like me to read these just to give you a break here? Um, Sure. I would love to I do mean, that. So we asked this question. How else can Red Maryland be help be helping the conservative movement? Now, how, this was... This was this was kind of an extra comedy unloading. Zone. Yeah, I was, we're kind of. I painting, was expecting. We're kind of painting the target on us and say, "Bring it this on!" This is basically fourteen percenters. Here's your. This shot. is basically us saying, "The more negative, the better." Right. Here you go. Go yeah, for fourteen percenters. We're ready to receive your darts. So here we go. Here's what you had to say. How else can Red Maryland be helpful with the conservative movement? Well, educate voters on Republican candidates. I think we did that at the last election pretty well. Keep spreading the message. Be civil with Democrats, Brian. Lobby. Usually, hold on. Usually, I get yelled at for to be civil with Republicans. Oh, that's, that's coming. What I usually that's do. coming. That's coming. Lobby nights during 2019 session. I don't know if they want us there or they want us to have one or I don't know. Maryland promoting conservative candidates and their values versus liberal values and degradation that comes with them. Is there still a conservative movement? You're looking at it, baby. Initiate a marketing and advertising program, realizing limited financial resources, that gets your message out statewide. A lot of people don't know you exist. PayPal.me slash Red Maryland. Good idea. That's a good idea. We'll try and do that. Change change media or get on primetime TV slash radio. Well, I don't think if you're watching us on Facebook, you don't want us on primetime TV and HD. But radio is a good idea. Let's try and do that. Tell truth. Stop supporting rhinos. Raising money. PayPal.me slash Red Maryland. raise money. Push for candidate recruitment of Iraq slash Afghan war veterans. Tell the truth. Quit being never Trumpers. I'm not a never Trumper. Never was a never Trumper. I'm not a never Trumper now. He's talking about me. Not sure. Well, he used the plural. He shouldn't be using the plural. That was an opportunity for you to say something there, and- I said something. I know you did. Not sure. Call radio stations to promote. How's that working? Couldn't hurt. Couldn't hurt. Outreach to African American communities. Muzzle Brian Frost. Yeah. We should just put a muzzle on the Attorney General. Yes. It's not the worst idea I've ever heard. We tried. Remember, there was education. Call Hogan out on his Rhino plans. Hello, fourteen percenters. The state's voter database needs cleaning and verifying before the next election. Drivers through the polls should be encouraged and promoted because. I noticed that early mail-in and absentee ballots do not get counted. Oh, God, these people. Did you observe that? And the movement should assist in obtaining grants that could prevent events such as the Capitol shooting. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah, that, that needs more detail. I'm curious if that person has some interesting ideas. I, I would subscribe to their newsletter. 
Talk about the above two issues. Stop publicly criticizing other Republicans. Yeah, so you are in the wrong so, place for so that. So let's Hawks. get the so let's get the person saying stop publicly criticizing other Republicans with the call Hogan out on his rhino plans. Let's get them together in a room. <laughs> Demonstrate how cons- nice snort. I, I know. <laughs> Demonstrate how conservative values are rooted in the dignity of the human person, created in the image of God. Present all sides of an argument, pointing out fallacies without ridicule. Now the dignity of you the- had me tell without ridicule because that's half the fun. Pack funding for all conservative nominees. We'll get right on that. Meetings. We should have more meetings, Brian. <laughs> Regional reports from different areas of the state. Hey, we're we're open. We are we're open, open to, to that. This. We're open to that. We're we're ready to receive your reports. Uh, MD collect data and share data. I don't know how this has to do with us. I don't know what lowering taxes. Oh, I would love to lower ta- taxes. Lower. Yes. Done. 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 Help more conservative candidates instead of middle-of-the-road guys. We've done that. We'll continue to do that. Spotlight good things that local clubs and committees are doing. That's actually a constructive idea. Keep up the good work with calling out groups and individuals, substance campaign for liberty, harmful to conservatives. We need to get him in the room with the don't talk batter of Republicans. Provide leadership willing to to discuss difficult topics. Okay. Uh, Taking on the dead-enders and holding them accountable. All right. Talk about the dangers of marijuana. We shall. We have. We Engage will. Engage in Baltimore City. Which is not a bad idea. Okay. Get rid of Bush and Miller. I mean, get rid of? You're not suggesting that. No. Bring a woman onto your show regularly as in a new voice. Stay tuned. Coordinating grassroots efforts. Be more originated and better strategy. Strategy. S-T-R-E-T-E-G-I-E. Easier access to candidate information, especially school board candidates. If I mean, only there was some sort of I mean, we'll candidate survey that was more, sent to all candidates and then published for months on end at redmaryland.com. More podcasts from women and minorities. Stay, Stay tuned. tuned. Maryland. Educate residents about the tax code. It Section- sucks. So, well, no, no, we can do more. <laughs> Section 8 housing expansion. Yes, we're just going to say, you I know assume, what? We're going to expand Section they, 8. Yeah, they don't want it. They're opposed to it, I'm sure. I, I know. Hey, more GOP voters. Well, that's if it were only that easy. Promoting new voices. Stay tuned. We're here. To, we're ready to promote you. You already do a very good job. Well, that's Thank you. Nice. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. More local and regional reporting. Absolutely. We'd love to do more of that. Support real conservatives instead of rhinos. Now, and, I have never supported. they have the H. I have so never I supported actually, a rhinoceros in Yeah, my I don't life. recall ever doing that. Get them together with, yeah. Admit the Republicans are progressives and go full conservative. The hell does that even uh, like the president or uh, not or who I don't know. Find some stronger candidates. Get on that, Brian. Find some stronger candidates. Promote our candidates. If only there I, was some sort of I candidate wish we had done something to promote yeah. our candidates. Yeah. Maryland. Don't let Maryland be a sanctuary state. Absolutely. Help and find encourage excellent candidates. Oh, and last one. New content with more voices every day. Okay. All right. Every day, Greg, get on that. That's fair. That's fair. Hey, look, that's a that's Every a fair suggestion. Day. What more can we do? Yeah. So if you want to help out, by the way, redmaryland at gmail.com. Or seven uh seven, almost said the other number. Four one oh two oh five four eight seven five. Absolutely. Call us or text us. We're happy to listen. So then we ask are you considering running for office in twenty twenty two? Speaking of recruiting and and candidates, is this 14. are you one of those people? Point two percent of you said yes. That's eight yeah. Seventy three point two percent of you said no. Twelve point six percent of you said maybe. So a full quarter of you are thinking about running for office, and the rest of you are like, "It's not eh. quite a quarter, an eighth. 
thinking about it. Thinking yes. about, yeah. 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 If you think about it, it was kind of a stupid question. Are you considering? Yes, no, maybe. I may be considering it. That was a dumb question. That's on me. But that's what the question was. So, well, they're really undis. <laughs> well, maybe I'm, I'm. Maybe I'll consider it. So you're saying there's a chance I'll consider it. All right. So then we we went and we 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 add the the open ended question, and as Greg likes to point it out, it's the comedy unloading zone. Yeah. So we'll just we'll alternate these, Greg, and uh, we'll go. You start, sir, please. Maryland needs a viable transportation system for better jobs, healthier people, and better education. Greg, it's almost like he's saying we need more cyclists. That's not what he's saying. Well, that's not what he means if if we're going to have that. Thanks for providing info. You're, You're welcome. quite welcome. Obviously, we also we need to also concentrate on building momentum in the state part state as a party for 2019. We need to fight for a constitutional interpretation of government, prevent runaway taxes, prevent legalization of marijuana from coming to the floor, prevent assisted suicide from finally passing in Maryland. All yeah. of those things are accurate. Yes, yes. Check, check, check. We're all in favor of that. Uh, I was Cecil County Chair of the Republican Central Committee, newly elect judge of the Orphans Court now, and cannot be active in any politics while holding office. Will depend on folks like you to keep me informed. Have a good year for Maryland. Well, thank you, and good luck to you and your job as judge of the Orphans Court. That's an important The working class is being diminished by the liberal left, and it is happening at its most rapid pace in rural counties that have very little political clout in Maryland. This is being done through FEMA flood mapping and the installation of utility-scale renewable energy under the guise of sustainable and comprehensive planning. So, so now you know. Tell the truth in all you report. Wish that you would support real conservatives and independents and not rhinos. Okay. Um, we do support real conservatives. Independents, I mean, we have inter- We have endorsed one non-Republican candidate yeah. ever. Libertarian and all that's because and we and we've supported lots of real conservatives, right? Absolutely, and we'll continue to do so. Maryland GOP gave away a U.S. Senate seat in 2016. The party has got to break out of the usual suspects prison and recruit better candidates. Well, Kathy Shalega was our nominee in 2016, and I'm not even sure Jesus Christ could have been the Republican nominee and done better than she did that election. Well, I wouldn't say that because it's blasphemous, but. Uh, I, I'd love to hear who you think the the better candidates ought to be. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to hear that. We're happy to. We're ready to believe you. It's a shame we have a cowardly party supposedly on our side. At least the other party on the other side fights. How's that working out for him? This is one of those. They always stick together. No, they don't yeah. either. Maryland is done. Hogan <laughs> is promoting Section Eight housing and filling every corner with illegal aliens. It is too late he now, is, but my not. husband and myself wish we had moved out of this lousy state when we retired. I, I th- th- fourteen percenters. That, none of that is true, by the way. And if you really feel that way, I mean, I, why do you get out of bed in the morning? I mean, that's an argument for the assisted suiciding. <laughs> At this time, Maryland is a lost cause. You suck. <laughs> Straight to the point. Fiscal oversight and follow-through of funded programs have been lacking forever. Budgets should be designed around proven revenue commitments. Voter databases need scrubbing and verifying. Military spouse registrations should be verified to prevent duplicating state voting capability. Teachers and government workers are required to have Maryland driver's license, which puts them on our rolls and their spouses' rolls. I'm not entirely certain that last sentence is accurate, but... Whatever. Just reading them, folks. 
I'm excited for the leadership conference. Uh, well, we're going to be excited to have you there. Thank you for caring about the community and speaking out. Thank you for your loyalty to and unwavering support of our Republican President Trump and the evangelical and pro-gun base. Without those <laughs> these principled voters and the new voters they are bringing into the party, our MDB GOP party will be overtaken by Democratic voter registrations in each bare majority district in just four years. Evangelicals and pro-gun voters are ready to vote for us, but will not do so on principle if they see us compromise the Constitution. I'd love to see the data about the new registrations or the new voters that those folks brought in. And Brian, you're part of the supportive President Trump evangelical pro-gun base, aren't you? One of those things is true. (laughs) (laughs) We'll let you guess which one. Need immediate change. MTA bus and crime in White Marsh. Take an aggressive stance on free choice of education. The, T-H-E-H, bottom half of our students receive a dismal education. Can I point out that that sentence is awkward? Yes. The bottom half of our students receive a dismal education. Well, I The mean, top half, though, I think from the, the waist up, they're getting the best education money can buy. I think the commenter is, is proof positive of the point that they're making here. And by the way, we're totally in favor of free choice on education. 100%. Uh, we could without, be more aggressive when we say it. Without question. Since kids spend so much time away in school, legislation should be considered for parental access cameras in classrooms from kindergarten through college. Through college. And the curriculum should include civility, what it takes to be a United States citizen, and respect for authority. This is like some weird, like, evangelical Howard County thing. I mean, between choosing civility and then cameras. It's very strange. One of the one I don't of, want to watch college kids on cameras on the internet. I, that seems problematic. I understand I've, the point, maybe. I've heard but, about those movies. You're next, Eric. <laughs> um, our national behavior and general civility is going down the hopper. Was very glad to listen to the Conservative Refuge special edition episode. Really looking forward to the next episode. Well, stay tuned. We should have one this Saturday. Keep in mind that Jesus Christ has died for us and has risen from the dead. He is our saving Lord. He is joy for all ages. Amen. Go Ravens. Newly became a Republican after 71 years as a Democrat. Welcome. Welcome to the party that is tightly knit and sticks together in fights. Our voter database needs work and voters need to return to the polls because mailed-in ballots are not being counted. If there's evidence, I'd love to see it. I mean, that really is something that's being pushed. That's a crime, if that's the case. It is literally a crime. Register more GOP voters. Yes, I that I agree with. Islam is a danger to our country. Please encourage someone like Dave Bossy run in 2020 for CD8 or in the next U.S. Senate election to defeat Cardin and or Van Hollen. Okay. I, I encourage David Bossy to do either of those things, frankly. I'm considering running in 2020. I blame Senate Republicans for not standing up to our idiot president. This government shutdown is wrong and it's hurting Americans. Trump is an asshole. Oh, I, that's I'm outrageous. That's him, outrageous. How dare you? I'm glad to see you guys getting bigger. Hey, now, I now, think hold that's on. a joke. I was going to say, I, I, look, we get jokes. I, I, enjoyed, to you. I enjoyed Christmas, but come on, guys. Um, and finally, running for office contingent on a fair and effective redistricting process following 2020 census. Need to at least have a hope and prayer of winning. Okay. There you go. So, so there you go. Thank you. Thank you, everybody who participated yes, in this absolutely. month's poll. Um, 
Thank you to everybody, of course, watching on Facebook. We're on Facebook. We, we broadcast these, facebooklaw.com slash Red Maryland, by the way. That's uh, right. A lot of folks watch and or listen to that and there. And or listen. Greg yes. and I wanted to point out that this weekend's playoff games, both of us have a shot to have nail our Super Bowl pick from the beginning of the season. I picked Patriots-Saints. You picked Rams-Patriots. Rams-Patriots. So. Right. so there you go. I'd be happy to be wrong on the AFC side. Well, actually, No, I you wouldn't. wouldn't. Actually, I wouldn't because I don't want Case. I'm, I don't even think I can watch that game. You're going to watch the game. I may, I, maybe I will, but. You talk it's about one of those. It's you you of, bust my chops every time I talk about how I like don't watch any games but the Ravens games, and you basically will watch any NFL game on that's on television. You're going to be watching the game on Sunday night. Yeah, but suppose it was without question. Suppose it was Patriots Steelers. Would you be excited about watching that game? I'd watch it. Okay, all right. Well, with a beer. Would you hope that a meteor two. hit the stadium? Yeah. Or maybe like that <laughs> scene in Batman or whatever. I have they... to begrudgingly root for the Patriots in those games. Begrudgingly, Pittsburgh's, a, uh, Pittsburgh's an S show right now. Anyway, yeah, I, I mean, think just based on I think the Patriots will win. Unfortunately, Kansas City. I don't know. They're chokers, man. They're chokers, man. They this are. This is a new Kansas City team, though. No, it's like this. It's okay. All right. Well, I'm sure with their coach and all his Super Bowl rings, he'll get them over the top. <laughs> there, the uh, we saw online there was a the, you can get odds seven hundred and fifty to one odds. That um, that the the Rams Saints game won't have a touchdown in it, yeah. Which you know that's the odds aren't even that's still too low for me to even make it that bet worth my while. I'm looking forward to the uh, Association of American Football season that will start after the Super Bowl. Are you being for real right now? I am being for real. Why are you Why are you excited for this? Because it's real football. Okay. Okay. You're saying the NFL is not real football? It no. I'm saying that other. Other leagues are not real football. Well, they're the only other league other than the Arena League right now. The XFL will be in next year, 2020. I understand that. I understand that. And it's, it's not real like football. the old XFL. It's real football. Okay. Uh, hopefully the rules, things will let them just play. They're, yeah. the guy, they're not making a ton of money. I don't think they're doing kicks, at least kickoffs in that league. Uh, okay. I think All what right. they're going to do is that. They, I, I have a team who's not eliminated in that league yet. You have a team in that league? Sure. Who? Well, you got to pick a team. Well, who's your team? I The Birmingham Iron. Why, why the Birmingham Iron? Why not? Why not? What the hell? But why not? They are they are eliminating kickoffs. So basically, it went, okay. a team, if the one the the receiving team, if you will, will have the I opportunity will. to they'll take the possession of the ball at the twenty five yard line, um, and then if if the team wants to onside kick, if you will, they will uh, they'll they'll take possession of the ball at the thirty yard line, and they will have one play to go ten yards, and if they do it. They keep the ball. There you go. That's, All right, let's wrap it up. Kick. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Thank you, everybody, for uh, for listening, for watching this week's show. Much thanks to County Councilman Nathan Volk. Yes, for thank you. Us talking about the 287G program. Great, um, great detail about that. Make sure that you share that with your friends. I do want to remind you, this week's episode of Red Maryland Radio was brought to you by Brad Roars, bradthebanker.com over at Howard Bank, our bank. He has ways to save you money. He does all sorts of type of loans, home purchases, refi, Rehab, VA, FHA, conventional. If you're trying to get a loan for a home, Brad Rorse is your guy. Go to bradthebanker.com or call him at 443-876-2846. Also, don't forget that uh, we're sponsored by the Republican Party of Montgomery County. Their convention is on Saturday, February the 23rd at the Hilton in Gaithersburg. For more information for that, go to mcgop.com slash convention 2019. 
I do want to uh, remind you that um, we have RedMaryland.com is the home base for all things Red Maryland. That's you right. can click on the subscribe link there and subscribe to Red Maryland Network Programming. Shows like this automatically download the device of your choice by subscribing on Stitcher, Spreaker, iTunes, uh, Google Play, and the TuneIn Radio app. Uh, and, of course, our shows. Saturday, Greg's back with the Conservative Refuge. That's right. Sunday, I'll be back with a new episode of the Air Raid here on the Red Maryland Network. And, of course, we will be back next Thursday for the flagship Red Maryland Radio on the Red Maryland Network. Don't forget the your last chance to get in the door for the Red Maryland Leadership Conference is to buy a sponsorship by noon on Monday. Noon okay. Monday. RedMarylandConference.com. We'll Click have on the a buy full tickets. preview on next Thursday's show. Yes. So stay tuned for So that. go ahead and buy your tickets if you want to be part of that. Um, click on the support us link. You can find all the ways that you can support Red Maryland, including buying your Red Maryland gear, Zazzle.com slash Red Maryland. I think maybe we should just go, go to the support link and you can find how we to should we should we should we should go a fourteen percent shirt. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll think we'll about, about that. that. And also, click on the Amazon link. Make your purchases on Amazon. A portion of that purchase comes back to Red Maryland. Help us grow and enhance the network. You, of course, can also subscribe to our newsletter. Have the best of Red Maryland delivered to your inbox each week. And, of course, please like us on social media. Facebook.com slash Red Maryland. We are on Twitter at Red Maryland. We are on Instagram at Red Maryland. And please, folks, you... You watching this right now, you listening on podcast. Nobody's the, listening are, at this point, Brian. Wrap force it up. Multiplier. Please make sure to share Red Maryland Network programming with your friends, family, neighbors, colleagues, co-workers, co-religionists, Co-religion, in-laws, yes. and outlaws. And the now show, you're making, man. Come now on. You're, well, now you're slowing me down with all your hand gestures. Uh, and just make sure, look, you can help conservative content like this become bigger in Maryland. You want us to grow bigger? Do your part. Share us. Please, thank you for your support. Yes. Go to redmaryland.com slash events to see where we're going. We're in Funkstown on January 23rd yeah. at the Washington County Republican Central Committee. See you there. We are going to be at the St. Mary's Republican Central Committee on February 7th. And, and, and the, the Republican Club of Frederick County in April. If you want us to come there, you can always reach, come to your club, your center committee, reach out to us, or I'm just contact start playing us the music. for any reason. RedMaryland at gmail.com is how you can reach out to us, or you can call in Texas the Red Maryland Talkback Line, 410 205 4875. There you go. 410 205 4875. No, no, I didn't ask for it again. And we will feature your comments on a future Red Maryland Network program. Greg, any final thoughts? Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. See you next time. For Greg Klein, I am Brian Griffith. You have been listening to Red Maryland Radio, the Red Maryland Network.